the Ulster Economics Podcast. The podcast that keeps you up to date with what is happening economy-wise in Northern Ireland. Telling you what you need to know, but not necessarily what you want to hear. It is better to be prepared for the economic environment we are operating in and not the world we would like to be in. Episode 15, What's Another Year? Listeners of a certain age may recall Johnny Logan taking to the stage in a black shirt and white suit to sing What's Another Year? The Irish singer won the Eurovision Song Contest with that number almost 42 years ago. Economic conditions back in 1980 were grim, with high unemployment in the UK, Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. And both the UK and Ireland were in Europe in the shape of being members of the European Economic Community, or the EEC. And there wasn't a pandemic back then, either. Fast forward to the start of 2021, and economic conditions were also grim. Private sector activity in Northern Ireland was falling, with households and some businesses subject to lockdown restrictions. Fear of a surge in unemployment, once the furlough scheme came to an end, were real. Meanwhile, the Northern Ireland Protocol came into force and the UK was only in the early stages of vaccine rollout. One year on and the Northern Ireland economy has returned to pre-pandemic levels of output, with a record number of employees on the payrolls. The surge in unemployment has never came to pass. Economists, policymakers and businesses are all reflecting on the last 12 months. Not out of a sense of nostalgia, but on what another year has changed in terms of the key challenges of COVID-19 and Brexit. How are businesses adapting and how has the economy performed? Fortunately, the last year has brought with it new data and new surveys to inform us. Before the pandemic, issues such as supplier delivery times and supply chain issues were very niche. Now they have gone mainstream. Indeed, I added a supplier's delivery time question to Ulster Bank's monthly Northern Ireland PMI survey to gain insight on this increasingly important issue. PMI surveys for the UK and Republic of Ireland's manufacturing and construction sectors saw suppliers' delivery times lengthen at a record pace during 2021. It has been a similar story locally too. The latest Ulster Bank Northern Ireland PMI for December highlighted that firms continued to report a lengthening of suppliers' delivery times, with companies often linking this to Brexit. Another survey of local exporters, conducted by the Northern Ireland Chamber in partnership with InvestNI, highlighted that 9 out of 10 exporters experienced supply chain issues ranging from rising shipping costs to delivery delays and problems with product availability. Interestingly, the survey indicated that supply chain disruption and cost pressures are more marked amongst Northern Ireland exporters than with their UK counterparts. This chimes with the Ulster Bank PMI, which highlights that Northern Ireland firms have consistently had the highest rates of input cost and output price for inflation amongst the 12 UK regions. Brexit and adapting to the Northern Ireland Protocol arrangements is regularly cited as a key factor behind these additional costs. Of course, supply chain disruption has largely resulted from the pandemic. Brexit has added another layer of complexity, so disentangling the cause of disruption is somewhat tricky. A number of surveys have sought to monitor and unpack the various impacts from COVID-19 and Brexit. In terms of COVID-19, we're in a much better place today than a year ago. 
A successful vaccine rollout has seen most people double and triple jabbed. The Northern Ireland Chamber and BDO's latest quarterly economic survey for Q4 2021 asked firms about the specific impact of COVID. 82% of Northern Ireland businesses are trading positively, with almost half of these trading well. 11% are just covering costs, while 4% of Northern Ireland firms are struggling, and a further 1% are on the verge of closure. Meanwhile, one in three of all Northern Ireland firms are performing better than pre-COVID, while the same figure are performing largely the same. Meanwhile, one third are faring worse and still haven't returned to pre-COVID levels. But COVID concerns are dissipating. Now let's turn to the impact of Brexit. More firms are adapting to the new post-EU exit trading arrangements, According to the Northern Ireland Chamber and BDO survey for Q4, 57% of Northern Ireland firms are adapting to new arrangements, and that's up from 44% in the previous quarter. One in three firms have adapted well. However, there's still a significant minority, 36%, are still finding the new rules challenging. The impact of EU exit has been varied on firms. 62% have stated that the EU exit has had a negative impact on their business, which compares to 1 in 10 declaring a positive impact. So, how are local firms responding to the supply chain disruption and new Brexit trading arrangements? In short, supply chains are being re-engineered and this has led to trade diversion. Goods exports from Great Britain to the Republic of Ireland have slumped by 20% year-on-year for the first 11 months of 2021. But Northern Ireland firms have gained some of that lost trade. Northern Ireland exports to the Republic of Ireland have surged by 64% year-on-year, while goods moving in the opposite direction from south to north have increased by 48%. The NI Chamber and InvestNI survey also reveals some interesting findings. 23% of local exporters have already brought some of their supply chain back to Northern Ireland suppliers. Almost two-thirds of Northern Ireland exporters have diversified their suppliers with almost 60% changing supply routes. This has involved primarily swapping GB suppliers for those in the EU, particularly those in the Republic of Ireland. In another survey released this month, Manufacturing Northern Ireland provided an update on the experience of local manufacturers one year on from the introduction of the Northern Ireland Protocol. Despite the difficulties with the new EU trading arrangements, and the new Irish Sea border, the NI protocol is not the biggest challenge facing manufacturers right now. The lack of people is. The good news is manufacturers are adapting to the new arrangements. Less than one in four of Northern Ireland firms continue to struggle with the new Irish Sea requirements. That's down from over four in ten in July last year. A further 17% of manufacturers are currently struggling with processes but they do expect them to ease. But for over half of businesses, some 52%, they are either now on top of the issues or have experienced no impact whatsoever. The impact of the Northern Ireland Protocol on manufacturers' performance over the last year has been mixed. 58% stated a negative impact, but that's down from 77% back in April 2021. Almost one in four firms had no impact and 17% of firms had a positive impact. One of the key takeaways in these latest surveys is that the knowledge deficit amongst GB suppliers. 
Despite a huge educational effort by both Northern Ireland importers and the Trader Support Service over the last year, 43% of GB suppliers to Northern Ireland firms are unprepared for the new requirements. That's down from 50% in April of last year. It is even more concerning that one in five of GB suppliers are unwilling to engage in the new requirements. That figure has failed to improve over the last 12 months. With GB import controls only now being introduced in 2022, the hope is that more GB traders will become experienced in customs requirements and in turn that may encourage more GB suppliers to engage with Northern Ireland manufacturers. While 64% of GB suppliers are either unprepared or unwilling to engage with the new EU trading arrangements, the corresponding figure for EU suppliers is less than 1 in 5. EU suppliers have embraced the new requirements much more than their GB counterparts, and this explains why Northern Ireland firms have sought to re-engineer their supply chains and diversify suppliers away from GB towards the EU, and where possible, even back to Northern Ireland. Looking at GB sales, almost 60% of manufacturers reported that sales to GB over the last year were in line with expectations, while a broadly equal number, that's one in five, reported that sales were either better or worse than expected. On the other hand, there was a marked improvement in manufacturing sales to the EU. The proportion of local manufacturers reporting an increase in EU sales hit 29% in January of this year, and that's up from just 5% in April last year and 11% in July. Meanwhile, the proportion reporting a fall in sales was 24%, with 9% experiencing a significant decline. Overall, one year on from the Northern Ireland Protocol, it is clear that businesses are adapting to the new EU trading arrangements and they are embracing the new opportunities. For some firms, notably within the food and pharma sectors, they're enjoying the best of both worlds. But for others, such as those manufacturers who trade exclusively with Northern Ireland and or Great Britain, it is the case of more administrative pain with little or no gain in terms of trade. Brexit always meant new borders, additional cost and more bureaucracy. No amount of finessing of the Northern Ireland Protocol will change this fact. It will only smooth some of the rougher edges that Brexit has created. So turning to the latest incoming economic statistics and surveys. As far as the economic recovery is concerned, returning to pre-pandemic levels of output or business activity has always been an implicit objective. Following NISRA's release of the Northern Ireland Composite Economic Index, we can now declare mission accomplished. The Composite Index, which is the nearest thing Northern Ireland has to quarterly GDP, recorded growth in the third quarter of last year of 1.5% and 4.6% year-on-year. This not only was back above pre-pandemic levels, but it also marked a 13-year high. Looking at the first three quarters of 2021 relative to the corresponding period in 2020, the Composite Index increased by 8.4% while private sector output surged by almost 11%. Upward revisions to the previous quarter's data, that was Q2 of last year, highlight that both the Composite Economic Index and private sector output returned to their pre-pandemic levels in the second quarter of last year. Recovering lost output from the pandemic is an important milestone, but a recovery in overall output conceals an unbalanced recovery at a sub-sector level, 
For example, some of the manufacturing subsectors, such as textiles, and if we think of PPE, pharmaceuticals and rubber and plastics, they all have output in the third quarter of last year between 13 and 30% above pre-pandemic levels. Yet, the other services category, which includes everything from entertainment, theatres to dental services, beauticians, etc., output is still 5% below pre-pandemic levels. And manufacturers of transport equipment, think of the likes of aerospace, is down a whopping 40% below where it was in Q4 2019. Other milestones will take even longer to achieve, and these include returning to pre-pandemic levels of debt and pre-pandemic levels of profitability. Looking at the final quarter of 2021, we can expect to see slower rates of growth. The Ulster Bank and IHS market, Northern Ireland PMI, signalled a deceleration in quarterly output growth from 53.4 in Q3 to 51.8 in the fourth quarter. And Northern Ireland's private sector almost ground to a halt in December with the rate of growth in business activity just scraping above the no-change threshold of 50 That was the weakest rate of expansion for the 11 UK regions that did manage to record growth in December. Inflationary pressures remain severe, while suppliers' delivery times continue to lengthen sharply. Despite these near-term challenges, local firms did manage to notch up their 10th successive month of employment growth, with all four sectors increasing their headcount. All sectors bar construction expect strong rises in output by the end of this year, and retail, perhaps somewhat surprisingly, given the cost of living pressures, is its most optimistic since March 2018. But with retailers increasing their prices at a record rate, it remains to be seen whether consumers will share their optimism. Turning to the labour market, given what has happened to the economy over the last two years, Northern Ireland's headline labour market statistics are a veritable winter wonderland. Unemployment is at 3.1% for the three months to November. That is one of its lowest readings on record. Meanwhile, the number of employees on Northern Ireland's payrolls hit another record high in December and is almost 20,000 above March 2020's pre-pandemic high. Indeed, no other UK region has witnessed a stronger rebound in payrolls growth. It is a similar story with median earnings growth over the last two years. According to the HMRC payrolls data, Northern Ireland has seen the largest increase, almost uh, 13%, in median earnings of any UK region over the past two years. That compares with earnings growth of 10.6% for the UK as a whole. But while the current state of the labour market is better than it was before the pandemic took hold, for example with the number of people on payrolls, the post-pandemic labour market recovery is far from complete. For example, the total number of hours worked is still over 6% below where it was two years ago, and that's largely due to the slump in self-employment. Self-employment may have turned a corner during the summer and increasing by almost 11% in the latest quarter, but the numbers in this category are still just over three quarters of what they were before the pandemic took hold. Interestingly, the Labour Force survey signals an easing of employee numbers, alongside this self-employment growth. This suggests that some of the flight to safety from self-employment to employee status that occurred during the first 18 months of the pandemic is now being reversed, and we can expect this trend to continue in 2022. 
Rising inactivity and a falling employment rate are two key undesirable underlying trends occurring alongside the generally positive labour market headlines. Northern Ireland's employment rate is lower than it was before the pandemic, while the economic inactivity rate is higher. As far as signs of stress in the labour market are concerned, the most visible are skills shortages rather than job losses. Redundancies in 2021 were a fraction of what they were in the previous year. If we just delve into the current state of the recruitment market in a bit more detail, 72% of local firms are trying to recruit, with 86% of firms facing recruitment difficulties. That's according to a survey by the Northern Ireland Chamber of Commerce and BDO taken in Q4 last year. 2021 was a record year for job vacancies, according to the NIJobs.com jobs report, with employers listing almost as many vacancies in 2021 as in 2019 and 2020 combined. Last year, vacancies soared by 144% year-on-year, and they were 63% above 2019's pre-pandemic levels. The hiring spree was broad-based, with three-quarters of the employment categories posting a record number of vacancies last year. Perhaps not surprisingly, the fourth-quarter recruitment drive eased back by 10% from the surge in the previous quarter, which followed the lifting of lockdown restrictions. The slowdown was most evident within the hospitality sector, which posted a 40% quarter-on-quarter decline, as many of the recent job openings became filled, and the hospitality industry was also the most disrupted from the resurgence of COVID-19 infections and the arrival of the Omicron variant, which triggered a Mexican wave of booking cancellations over the festive period. Nursing, healthcare and medical, hospitality, IT, accountancy and finance and sales roles occupied the top five recruitment categories and accounted for almost half of all recruitment activity. If we look at nursing, healthcare, medical and hospitality, they were ranked the top two employment categories and almost one in ten of all the listings were within the hospitality sector. There were seven times as many job listings within the nursing, healthcare and medical sectors in 2021 relative to 2019 and this highlights the scale of attrition within the health service and the difficulty filling vacancies. Nursing, health and medicals' share of the market has more than quadrupled since 2019, from almost 5% to 21%. This industry has also suffered from an exodus of EU nationals following Brexit, as has the hospitality sector. The nursing, healthcare and medical and hospitality sectors are expected to top the recruitment rankings in 2022. While a surge in growth in some sectors, such as nursing, is linked to high levels of staff turnover, other sectors are hiring due to expansion. This is particularly apparent within the science, agriculture, pharma and food industry, which saw its listings increase sixfold over the last year. A number of flagship firms within the pharma industry have announced significant plans for expansion. Farmer recruitment is expected to remain strong in 2022 and Brexit has been a double-edged sword for the agri-food industry. Many firms have benefited from a surge in demand from the Republic of Ireland, but they have suffered from the loss of EU national workers. Turning to the state of the new car sales market, which is normally a key indicator of uh, consumer confidence, local showrooms ended 2021 with the worst December for new car sales since this data series began. Sales fell 26% year-on-year, but if we take 
2021 as a whole, they ended that year almost over 1% higher. That marked a marginal improvement on 2020's record low, but some brands fared better than others. Hyundai, BMW, Toyota and Kia were some of the brands that posted double-digit year-on-year increases in 2021. Indeed, Toyota had its best year for sales in 11 years. There were also 48 new Ferraris sold. That was 18 more than the previous year, and that's a record high. Aston Martins and Porsche Taycans notched up annual growth of 63% and 56% respectively. Meanwhile, brands that included double-digit year-on-year declines included Fiat, Ford, Honda, Nissan, Renault, Volkswagen and Alfa Romeo. Many of these aforementioned brands also posted their weakest sales figures on record in 2021. This highlights that no matter what the economic weather is, there are always winners and losers. Turning to the property market... Northern Ireland's housing market enters 2022 with the same challenges that persisted for much of last year. Insufficient supply of homes to meet buyer demand and house prices rising beyond the grasp of many as a result. That's according to the results from the December RICS and Ulster Bank Residential Market Survey. A continued shortage of new properties being listed for sale was the most prominent theme in the latest survey and this has pushed prices higher. This has also curtailed sales, despite new buyer inquiries continuing to increase. The number of new properties coming onto the market fell for the sixth successive month in December. Property Pal throws more light on the shrinking supply issue. New properties available to buy on its website fell by 20% in Q4 2021 relative to the same quarter in 2020. This reduction in the flow of inventory means that the overall stock of inventory, or properties to to buy is down 44% year on year. Given the squeeze, it is not surprising that rents and prices are pushing higher. According to PropertyPal, rents and residential prices rose by 5.4% and 5.5% respectively year on year in Q4 2021. 2021 was also the best year for residential property transactions since 2007, with transactions up 49% year-on-year, and that's almost one quarter higher than 2019's pre-pandemic levels. Given the lack of supply of stock, it is difficult to foresee anything other than a decline in residential transactions in 2022. The only question is, by how much? So looking, looking ahead to February, the theme is expected to be one of rising prices, and unfortunately, it's not going to be confined to just February. Firstly, the price of money or credit is expected to rise. The Bank of England increased interest rates to 0.25% back in December. We can expect a further rise to 0.5% on the 3rd of February. We also get Northern Ireland's Residential Property Price Index for the fourth quarter in the middle of this month, with further price increases expected. UK inflation for January is due on the 16th of February, and while the annual rate of inflation is expected to be similar to December's 30-year high of 5.4%, we should see more evidence of rising food price inflation coming through. Rising energy prices are also going to feature prominently, with the oil price on the rise in recent weeks. A Russian incursion into Ukraine will only add further upward pressure on already high energy prices. And in Northern Ireland, we're likely to hear more about the planned 30% plus increases in gas prices that the local uh, utility regulator has alluded to. 
we can expect to hear more discussion of the need for government interventions to mitigate against the soaring energy costs and cost of living crisis and calls for a U-turn on the planned national insurance contribution hike in April. The timing of this increase couldn't be worse. My political head says yes to a U-turn, but my fiscal head says no. Politics will be very much to the fore in February in the UK and Northern Ireland. Locally, Stormont could be subjected to more Northern Ireland protocol-induced political instability. With Assembly elections around the corner, the unofficial electioneering starting pistol has arguably already been fired. I am Richard Ramsey, and that was episode 15 of the Ulster Economics podcast, What's Another Year? You can follow Ulster Economics on social media and stay up to date on ulstereconomics.com. Until next time... Thank you.